This week on What Are The Odds, we ask, what's up with Sydney? Can Tex drive Adelaide back into finals contention? Will Parati picks fix the Blues? Will Melbourne ever be more than flat track bullies? Can we trust the Giants or the Eagles with our hard cold cash? And of course, we give our round 70 insights and our feature bets for the weekend. But first, a shout out to our sponsors, the Yorkshire Hotel. Here's two things you could do this weekend. One, Melbourne are playing the Bulldog on a Saturday evening. You can go out there, you could pop $10 a pop for a drinking beer, mid-strength beer from a plastic cup, sit in the cold and eat tepid chicken and chips. Or you could head down to the corner of Langridge and Punt Road in Abbotsford, have full-strength beer from a glass, nibble on some absolutely gourmet food, sit in front of the fire and uh, enjoy watching footy with your mates. I know which one I'll make, but the choice is yours. We will see you down there at the Yorkshire Hotel on the weekend. All right, Baz, you've done it again. You've gone full locket on us. You called it early. You want some space in the square to uh, to get some thoughts out. We'll get straight into it. We had some bad beats. We had some big wins. We did all right. If you listened to our pod last week... We, we did all right. We did all right. Our feature bets went great, but... Uh, we broke even, yeah. but again, that's just dollar for dollar, which you should never, ever do. Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's, that's for the really nerdy podcast called How to Bet Properly. This is just how to tip some, hopefully get some winners. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we had yeah Gold Coast didn't score sixty, Freo didn't score sixty, a few other teams you know really struggled to to score, and some other teams did score really well. You know Brisbane you know plus sixty if you go on that, good on you. Um, you know, Melbourne costs a bit. We'll talk about them in a second. Richmond win the last by plenty. Richmond won the last by plenty. Yeah. So and yeah, Carlton obviously was always in a struggle to score, and I think if St Kilda play like they have the last few weeks, that could be it's something else that uh, we should look at this week. But yeah, first of all, just Sydney, I think. We talked about earlier in the year that, you know, GWS and, and Essendon are pretty much the only two other teams like Sydney that are happy to try and turn the footy over in their defensive half and then get you on the slingshot. You know, they call it the Orange Army, but now even now they're kicking a bit more and they're playing a bit more contested style of footy. Uh, Essendon obviously rely heavily on their speedsters to get it out of the back line and, and create that run and ball movement, which we saw again on Sunday. If you stifle them, then you stifle their ball movement and stifle their scoring. I think Sydney just their midfield used to get them by a lot, and you know, I spoke about last week. They they got some young players in there that are starting to get more time and starting to add a bit more depth to their midfield. But and I thought they would get them over the line against you know Geelong because they do go both ways. Unlike Geelong, but Geelong obviously brought in uh, two players that did the job for them and laid lots of tackles. And we spoke about you know Selwood and Jermaine Jones. Jermaine yeah. Jones, yeah. So you know that that's all they needed and it, it did the job for them, but. For me, Sydney, they really rely on Buddy. They re- rely on his brilliance to kick goals, or they rely on like a game lot from Ronk. And I know they're missing Papley and all that sort of stuff as well. But and Reed probably a big one. He went down again on Saturday or Sunday in the knee full with injuries, so he's probably done for the year. They just missed and um, McCartan's you know going to be a good player for him. But they just missed another fall for him and. I think it's time for them to change up the game plan a bit and just you got to start pushing Buddy up the ground a bit more because he, he's a game changer. So him across the midfield will help out, you know, the likes of Parker and and um, Kennedy and those sorts of blokes. I know Hanbury's out now and so is um, Kieran Jack, but yeah, they just need to bring a bit more speed, a bit more, something a bit different to, for teams to look at instead of the same old, what they've been doing for years and years. And, you know, it's good enough to beat the lower teams, but... In the day, they're not scoring enough, and you know they're not even creating inside fifty sh- chances now. So they only had forty three against Richmond two weeks ago at twenty eight percent inside fifty efficiency. So they had twelve shots from forty three entries, and you know they kicked eleven goals one, and that's what kept them in the game really because they kicked eleven goals one. But last week it was I think for me it was worse. They had forty six entries, only fourteen shots, and they kicked nine goals five. But you look at the other way where you know Geelong. You know, had a massive territory advantage and they had 59 entries and the same with Richmond I think Richmond had nearly 50 or 60 inside 50 entries as well so you can't play that you know we saw early in the US and Joe West they're getting beaten a lot and they've changed it up a little bit you just can't play that style anymore I think unless you've got unless you know they've got some extra players and the thing that Geelong did really well as, as well was they had they played with a deep forward the whole time which meant that the Sydney Spares got caught a few times in no man's man land and it got over the back a few times from Geelong. When Sydney did have possession for long periods of time, it did get over the back and Geelong inevitably scored because they had all that open space for their four line. So yeah, I just think they need to change up a bit. 
So you say that what, what's what's the levers that Longmire can pull? Essentially, in his press conference after the match, he was just totally defeated. He essentially yeah. just fronted up and said, like, we got smashed at the source, which I don't really agree with. Clearances were 50-50. I think it's what they do. They had a tendency in that game to handball back into the contest. They'd, we'd win the actual contested pill, and because they lack speed on the outside, they would turn... Oh, that runner's blocked. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, I have to give it back inside again. And then Geelong wins the repeat stoppage. And the ball doesn't go anywhere. And it didn't. There were periods in that match where the ball didn't leave a 10-meter radius for a long time. And it got all the, the haters on, a, on their hate yeah. train. But that's for a different time. Um, so, yeah, if he can't... And it, and he's, all his mids are out injured, really. The ones that are his dynamic runners. So what does he tweak between now and finals to make this well, Sydney team that can can kind of get at as high as possible. Well, Florence has to play more midfield time. And like I said, Buddy, I know he's probably carrying injury and he has been most of the year. That's why he's playing deeper. Because when he, at the start of the year, when Reed, especially when Reed was playing, he was playing up the ground more. So mm. I know he's had foot issues. But I'd be throwing him in the in the centre square for you know for centre bounces and stuff just to give teams a different look. Probably get Lloyd in there a bit more. Um, you know, other, Hayward's been playing pretty well. They just need to give teams different looks at their midfield and give other guys opportunities. They probably don't have the talent there. To, that's a problem. Like, you know, they, they've relied a lot on uh, picking up players from other clubs, and you know, they don't get into the draft very early. You know, they rely on um, their academy picks as well. But yeah, I just think that you know Sinclair's been a big plus for and missing McVeigh this, this now as well. For probably the rest of the year, you know, he's an elite kick from their back line. He's that one that hits a target. I'll be playing Jones through the midfield a lot more because he's quick. He adds that dash. Um, hopefully Heaney comes back, and that'll be a massive in for him if he comes back. Because you know, and he should play more midfield as well. Just maybe give Parker uh, Parker probably a bit more time forward because he's a really good contested mark. He's good around goals. He kicks straight, and maybe give Kennedy another role. Whether he plays forward and, and does something, or even goes back for a little bit and just plays that older, cooler head, or you know, a bit like a Lewis did for from you know when he went left Hawthorne. And, just maybe just give them different looks and change it up and maybe just try and attack, keep the frontal pressure on a bit more. So hopefully Papley comes back and as Ronk and those sorts of bloke, it's pretty good. But I think Tower is probably his, his time's done. I'd be trying to just give as much game time to Carton as well. So a lot of those things rely on players coming back to the squad. Is this a case of the method of Longmire Sydney's dead and they need to regenerate? their mindset and their game plan or is it a little bit of you can just blame injuries and say well we ha- we came into this season wanting to play this way and once you lose a certain number of players and they're probably up to like 11 A graders or 11 of their best 22 who are either injured or carrying it that also comes to a point where it's like well it wouldn't matter what we played well, we're still not going to still not going to be the top fours I'm off one for blaming injuries like I know they happen and you know they do affect the team but you look at Collingwood so Collingwood's had an Adelaide I mean, you can probably look at Adelaide's how they're going as well, but Collingwood have got the most um, had the most games injured out of any other club in the in the AFL this year. Yeah, I think Carlton was second, and we're still sitting like second or third on the ladder and playing some pretty good football. It's just a matter of like you know, and even Adelaide, like you look at through their footage and uh, footage for when they were going poorly and when oh, they still are, and even Hampton on the weekend, you know, it took him three quarters to get a touch. Surely in AFL football these days, if you're playing across half forward, it's not that hard for you to get touched. It's just that desire and effort. Mm. And you can't fault that. Sydney, they always bring... I think it's just a small game plan adjustment. Mixing it up a bit. Stop playing the same old thing. Because, you know, they've been doing it for... Even when Ruzi was there, they're playing pretty much the same they played the pre- Well, the game they had against West Coast was 2005-06 grand final-esque. Yeah. Like, nothing has changed. Yeah. Keep it inside, keep it slow, keep it low scoring. Yeah. And, and when you have Buddy... That doesn't make any sense. And that was the thing I was mentioning to you during the game is why, like, yes, it's they're obviously getting they're getting beaten all around the ground, but when you do finally win the ball, why kick it high and slow into Buddy when the one thing he can't really do at an elite level it's is mar- contested mark over his head? Yeah, well, he hasn't been able to do that since his days at Hawthorne because his hmm. shoulders are stuffed. Just put it out in a space for him. He'll probably run onto it and do something magical. But, yeah... I- Look, I, I spoke about this last year when I was 0-6. and six. The good thing is they're getting lots of games into these younger players. And again, I think now he's starting to play this year. He's played a few more younger players again. And they're getting more experience. And it just I think there's just going to be a slight phasing out of a few of the older blokes and a little change over period. But I also, like, and that's probably a, a, a big problem as well. Like, you know, the aging stars are getting old and Hanabry's not coming up and all that sort of thing. So... 
yeah, it just might be a little little slight change of the game plan. Get some keep you know refreshing the, the list and the, the players that playing their roles, and hopefully you know probably not won't be this year because I reckon they'll struggle now. Like, I've been on their bandwagon the whole time, but they, they can't score. They won't win a flag. You are officially off the bandwagon. I was officially off after last night. Yeah, and I you know they'll probably you know they don't lose three games very often in a row, Sydney, but. I mean, well, they lost six in a row last year, I know, but I think they're in strife of it this week as well. The second game of the week had nowhere near as many talking points. Richmond versus Adelaide went exactly as we predicted. Adelaide were not up to the task. The Demons got them at the MCG, and Richmond, the, that premiership favouritism train is just steaming on, and it's not affecting them because they're not, they're not getting big-headed. They're just doing the simple things again and again and again. And you get lucky because you lose, you get injuries, but they're the players, it doesn't matter. Well, but does it just not matter because of the way that you play? When you say no one's like Hooley's been out for ages, and he's and he's, he's, not, he's, he's not a he's not a player that you depend on. We don't depend. We don't depend on any player. Bullshit. You depend on Cochin, you Rance, and Dusty and Nank. But apparently, all those, all four of those Re-roll. blokes, off or not Rewell, we're just an outstanding year. He's probably going to be our B, B and F. But the other four blokes have dropped off immensely. I don't think they've dropped off. Well, that's you look at all the media and stuff. I don't believe that, but all the media and stuff saying that they've dropped off this year compared to last year, yet we're... You're travelling better. We're travelling better yeah. on the top of the ladder. Our points differential's up. Yeah. We've let just points in. It doesn't matter. Don't listen to the media unless it's the player's voice on Fox Footy. Shout out. This week's been great. Yeah, Phil Davis said the best, you know, instead of being negative in the media, just look at the positives for a change. Mm. I know we're a bit negative sometimes on here, but... But we're also positive when, when it's due. Yeah. So we did mention there that Melbourne, they thoroughly smashed the Dockers over at Darwin. But uh, did we learn anything? Other than Melbourne will just continue to beat the poor teams, except for their shock loss to St Kilda. They smashed can them. They, can they, can they, they prove anything in these coming weeks they have a little bit of a soft draw again before finals? Did you reckon they smashed them? Like, all the stats and everything say they smashed them. But I was sitting Mate, there they watching. they absolutely it. smashed them. But they, didn't, they weren't convincing. No, well, any time you kick 23 behinds, you're never going to be convincing. But even when they went inside 50, I think there's still a lot of issues there. They went inside 50 like nearly 80 times. I know. There's obvious issues there. And I just don't... It was the, it was, it, it I, was the highest number of inside 50s think, since like 2000. Think, it was absolutely ridiculous. The fact they won by 40 or 50 points covers a lot of cracks for me. And I'll probably get away with it this week again against the Doggies because uh, they got some injuries themselves, the Doggies. Yeah. And they probably lose it, or they've lost their best player with appendicitis. So, yeah, you won't learn much until they play a decent team again. But even then, I think. What would you need to see, like, for them to prove you can't? They can't do it, can they? Do you know what's going to happen? I heard this today. They're playing JWS in round twenty-three. Yep. Whoever wins that game will need to will play finals, and Melbourne will lose again, and we'll never hear of them. Deja vu, deja vu. And you'll remind us that you jumped off the bandwagon just in time. I did. I jumped off at the end of last year. Speaking of bandwagons, your boys run a sweet wave. A sweet wave of umpire favouritism. Oh, here we go. According to the Bombers. Yeah. Take off the eye patch and look at this from a two-eyed perspective. Yeah. If Woosh is coming out, their coach is coming out on a Wednesday afternoon saying, oh, the umpire's trading us inappropriately. Then they're in trouble against Gold Coast this Saturday night. All Sunday when we say play. Because that's a ridiculous statement to make. And it, if you it, think about it, so you know why Essendon don't get them any free kicks? Because they don't get the contested footy. Correct. They're not worth the sauce to get a free kick. You need to turn up and compete for the pill to get a free kick. How do you get free kicks? You get men holding the ball, you get hit high, you get like incorrect tackles, incorrect disposals. Everything involves being in the congested areas, and you're not in that Essendon. You wait for them to turn the pill over. Then you try and run it past them and kick a goal. And that's fine. But then you, when it doesn't work because you can't find your own pill, then you can't blame the umpies for not giving it to you for free unless you're going to start pinning the restricted zone and saying anything. To be fair, the last... The, before There were some bad ones, yeah. yes. And, but and, it didn't cost you the game. And against uh, West Coast and, and North, they did actually win a contested ball and stuff. But again, let's go but through But there's contested ball as well, like... Yeah, I know. Like, because the, the contested, is, the contested yeah. definition is pretty loose. Yeah, but, but they're not a team that's going to get in and under. Like, no, they're not, and it's been you know spoken about for, for the last two years. But mm. yeah, look, they're not going great with the freak. But you guys don't get any. Richmond don't get any free kicks, and they seem to be on top of the ladder. So you, you can't use it for any, as an excuse that the umpires don't kick your goals. There's a couple that went both ways, and like you know, the, especially the tunneling ones. Mm. 
And I don't think it cost him a game. I think what cost him a game was letting Pendlebury get off the chain in the last quarter and not taking the opportunities when you had him. And who can man up on the goalie? And I think Cox... You know, Cox is, no, I think, number three in the comp for contested marks. Correct. So, all you naysayers, again, just go eat some pie and uh, shut up. And and even more than that, all you naysayers, go back and listen to what are the odds from two years ago, because we were saying it first. I was all about the big Cox, and will be for a long time. If my PC yeah. police yeah. will be out. <laughs> will be out. And finally, round 70 rounded out with West Coast and the Giants giving us more impossible form lines to read. Can either team be trusted going forward? Because we thought we had the read on this. We thought West Coast would be done until their two prime movers came back in, the two talls, Darling and Kennedy, and they won without them. They found a way to do it. And the Giants, we thought they'd fixed it. Cameron's out, but he gives him a license to be creative going forward. And then suddenly it just flips. Not really, because Jervis just absolutely butchered it. Go have a look at the shot chart. Go mm. have a look at how many shots they missed. 52 inside 50s for 25 shots, and, and West Coast had 49 for 21. So there you go. Like Straight away, West Coast were you know probably a bit more efficient. Um, but 10 goals, 15, and that killed them. They should have won, and there's a few again. If you want to start blaming umpires, maybe GWS should be blaming the umpires for a few of those uh, hometown decisions there. But I think GWS are good. Um they probably won't knock off Richmond this week, which means they're probably almost done. But they've got a pretty decent draw, I think, on the way home. I and West Coast will probably win enough games at home. And again, they've got a big game this weekend as well. So apparently all the, all the good players from West Coast are your Kennedys, your Darlings, your Lacroix, coming back this week. So it'll be interesting to see if all of them come back in at once. And especially the MCG where they hold some scars. Yeah, there, there'll be some thoroughly good what are the odds rules tested there. Yeah. The MCG hoodoo, the too many changes at once hoodoo. A lot of things to talk about for round 17, which we will kick off with our preview right now. The last Thursday night footy baz of the year. I don't know if I'm disappointed or happy about it. I quite like... It just means it's more football and it's easier to watch it all. Yeah. It's more spread out. There's only one time you have to go back and rewatch a game on Sunday morning because there was a crossover. But I generally miss the first quarter, quarter and a half because of footy training. True, true. That's, that's a downside. But I, look, it's good because I get to come home. If the game's good like this one and like they were last week, then it's good to come home too. But if they're like tomorrow night, uh, Friday night's game, sorry. Well, you can just skip it. Then you, yeah. Um, which, you, which are you very prone for, for a guy that's coming out here as an amateur expert essentially yeah you do like to say I'm not going to watch a lot of games yeah and then you do end up watching all the games yeah you do so you may as well just say I'm going to watch it yeah okay right. Thursday night Adelaide versus Geelong Adelaide season on the line here they'll be in front of their home crowd but can they play the Adelaide Crows football of round 17 that daring quick aggressive take the game on style or will they go back into their shells like they did against Richmond last week they were favourites for this but the lines have flipped in the last 48 hours they're out to $2.05 outsiders at home Geelong $1.78 favourites the line here two and a half. going on form you just have to go Geelong don't you you really do Geelong's done nothing in the last couple of weeks to suggest they can't get Adelaide and win this game against a side that at their best is all right. Yeah. Like, is an okay top eight team. Uh, Geelong, obviously, get Menzel back. They lose Taylor, which, for me, isn't a massive loss. I think, for me, Menzel coming in, that helps their fall on a lot. Uh, he won't do much of the pressure stuff, as we said before. There's plenty of blokes there to do that for him now. And I think that was a real, real noticeable change from Geelong from the week before to Sydney. It was pretty much they had a couple of guys, like, you know, the Cornico and uh, Parfit. Uh, Jones and that they, they were there just to tackle and lay lots of pressure probably find a bit more of the Richmond game style get into to big time he brings it down and uh, pressure pressure lock it in and I just don't know Adelaide bring back I said they bring back a few players that are injured you know Sloan's starting to get back to peak fitness Tex did nothing last week again in a big game um, so it doesn't, doesn't do two in a row we, we brought it out yeah we did well we spoke about it but yeah. anyway for me, I think that, um, yeah, Geelong win this. They covered a line at two and a half points. One to 39 looks pretty good as well. We can get about, I think it's about 250 or something like that for that. So now on that, are Geelong due to kick a massive score? 
No. Or is it just I that that's they, systemic? Nah, they, they learnt the other week against the Doggies and they got done that they just need to play their one game style, which we saw again last week. But they did have the, like 36 scoring shots against Sydney. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But So, yes, they lock it in. They play, they yeah. play a defensive frontal half style of game and they don't get scored against because they, they set up really well and... When they do have the football, instead of you know getting the quick break, unless it's absolutely on, they play a slow play. So they don't turn over the footy as much. They don't get scored on turnovers as much because they don't take the game on as much. But they'll lock it in their forward half, which gives them you know lots of repeated entries and and obviously you know scoring shots. So that's why they had so many last week. And that and the fact that the Sydney defence was just couldn't get it out of their back line because they had no no one to kick it to. And yeah, I just don't think Adelaide are any good. And I think you know Tom Lynch looked okay in parts last week but after his layoff but he'll probably be better this week but Betts will be a long way off and the, the player that usually kills Geelong is not is he playing in Brisbane so that's Charlie Cameron there's just still not enough speed for mine at Adelaide around the stoppages and basically everything you've said there is backed up by the stats as well Geelong are 11-2 in games where Menzel is listed as an in yeah and as you said just just that that's the one thing they're missing is a second target, so it's not all Tomahawk. Same thing that Sydney has. If it's all Buddy, it's too easy to to chop him, to bump him out, to do this, the sly things that three defenders can do to avoid giving away a free kick. But if you got two, then it disperses the field, gives you more options, gives you a bit more unpredictability. And without speed and without pressure, the, the Crows can't really make amends in this one for mine. So they're ranked last in the comp for tackle counts this year. They lose tackle count by 10 so they don't, they don't apply that frontal pressure. They don't apply secondary pressure at the source either. They either win the clearance or they don't. And the Cats won't give it back to you once you've lost it off them. So they're ranked uh, 19th for scorage from defensive midfield chain. So we learned that last week. They just go up the guts. Yep. Very direct. And uh, they average almost six disposals per turnover this year as well. So they're the second most efficient team, again, due to their really careful nature. I'm all about the coverage here at two and a half. Uh, not super keen for 1-39 to 39, just because I'm unsure whether or not this could be the week that the Crows are done fully done yeah, book them in right, book yeah. them in for another creative mind session because they're going <laughs> to need it to rebuild at the end of the season right. Friday night we come way back down to earth with a matchup that is basically a race to the bottom of the AFL ladder Carlton are fronting up after a 65 point loss to 17th this is almost a proof an assessment that we need relegation. Like if you're that, if you're ten goals behind the next team up on the ladder, no, I don't need relegation. You're a, you're a long way off. You've been. I'm, bit, I'm being. I'm, I'm being facetious. facetious. Yes, I'm being facetious. A bit, bit facetious. Oh, no, we spoke about last week that Brisbane's ball movement would worry Carlton because they move very quickly. They move very well, and if they're able to, you know, in, in that final third, use the footy well and have some composure, they would tear them apart, and that's what they did. And Carlton can't score the other way. They can't play quick footy. They did. They did for the first quarter. They tried, and they, they kept on. And but when you know second quarter came along, Brisbane just went nut. Nah, we've got this. Um, they lost the contested footy. They got smashed there. The defence kept getting caught out. They had no idea. What, yeah, it was just very, very poor from Carlton. And that effort wasn't there either. Like just the tackling pressure and stuff like that wasn't about. And again, we talk about Carlton generally will play you know two or three good weeks. So they're right up playing but as a young team as they do. They lose a bit of faith in it or they get a bit tired and they just drop off. Secure have been pretty good the last few weeks. They weren't that bad against Port on the weekend. I know they got done still by six or seven goals, but they actually weren't that bad. They were in the game for a lot longer than they probably should have. The other thing Carlton started doing last week as well was uh, just very, very Charlie Curnow focused. Focused. Kept kicking it to him. Brisbane had like two or three on him and those kept kicking it to him. Harry McKay has to come in. He has to come in this week. I don't care what they're talking about. He has to come and give another little option up forward just to mix it up a bit. They need to give Cripps more of a chop out. But for me, I think St Kilda's quick ball movement, the, the way they've been playing, uh, hopefully, you know, Carlisle comes back in. I'm pretty sure they said t- today that he, he was good because he got through training. And I just think that, yeah, St Kilda win by probably a good margin. Mm. And-, and also, you look at... Uh, Carlton's history after the bye they don't win many games and they don't actually perform that well no and all the trends are not spelling out any kind of hope for Carlton at all they have the fewest inside 50s this season they're ranked for, ranked 16th for marks inside 50 they have lost the disposal count 
by 32 per game this season. Yep. So they're a whole extra player, a whole extra elite player down on touches. And uh, they've lost the inside 50 count by an average of 10. They... Like, they're just not a... Oh, breaking news. They're not a very good football side. No. And they don't look like beating anyone. No, Like, no. There's, there's nothing now. They'll there's no... come out and beat you. If they come out and beat you this weekend, Richardson will get sacked. But, uh... But yeah, they're not. They're they're not. Just, they're, there's nothing to suggest that they would. And if they do, it's complete aberration, other than the fact that maybe St Kilda have some severe mental scars and should go join Adelaide. But, uh, I'm going to tip, obviously, St Kilda in this one. The line here, 21 and a half, is that in play? Yeah, I reckon secure. This could seriously be another blowout. So I could seriously see Secure going by 40, 40 or more. I'm not going to touch this game from a punting perspective, but if I was sitting at home, had a spare tenner on me just to keep myself interested tomorrow night, I'll be back in secure at 40 plus. Saturday's Slater Games kicks off with an interesting revenge game, the Luke Hodge Cup. Brisbane currently are the holders of that perpetual trophy. But uh, Hawthorne are hosting Brisbane at the University of Tasmania. They're $1.25 favourites. The line here, 28 and a half. But uh, should we read a bit more into that 60-point smashing they received up at the Gapitois? Well, the Brisbane won two in a row, or more than two in a row since, like, 2013 season, I think mm. it was. So for over five years, which is must be tough not winning more than two in a row for that long. Seriously. But they're doing all right. Cause I think the other stat around them at the moment is they've gone six weeks kicking... On average, a hundred points yeah, or more. They won it, yeah. They, they and they're, they're probably like they're, they are the most efficient attacking team in the yeah, country. Yeah, moving the ball really well, playing really well. They got you know pretty much a full list. Hawthorne, they need to win this to to make the like they, they, they're, they're, they're in the traffic jam. They in got, a, they in got to win. To so you just go, you just go. Hawthorne will win this just for that fact. You tipped Haw- you tip Hawthorne, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Brisbane did get up because. So that ball movement can will worry any team, and it, it's shown that they've done it to the better teams this year. They just haven't, you know, they've been close but not close enough. That ball movement and their attacking style can trouble anyone. So on that, the one thing that's really let them down, and if you look at how they've scored this year, they should have won more games already. They should have, yeah, based, like, based on based on four and against and a couple of other predictive stats, you could say that their game style should have won in probably six games at this stage, not the three that they've got. You, you take. You take away that aberration against Richmond, I think their average losing score is 27 points or 26 points. So can you trust this team if they find themselves... You'll say they'll find themselves in with a sniff at three-quarter time. Yeah. Do you trust the Lions to get over the line against an Alistair Clarkson-led, mature Hawthorne side? No, I think Hawthorne have too much on the line. And, and they'll remember what happened in, in Brisbane. And they don't lose much down at... It's in Tassie. They don't lose much down there. So I think they'll, they'll get the job done at Hawthorne, but... I, like I said, I just wouldn't be surprised if Brisbane popped one out. But, but there's just one little thing. I, I like Luke Bruce. I yeah. reckon he's a good little player. And uh, Xavier Ellis, the ex-Hawthorne and uh, West Coast player, put this on uh, on Twitter today, some stats. And I did. I actually wasn't aware of this. But So you can, you know, everyone talks about Cyril and how good Cyril is. So Cyril played 189 games. Bruce played 176. Cyril with four flags. Bruce with three. Cyril with three All-Australians. Bruce one. Goals, 275 for Cyril. 340 for Bruce. Average disposals, 15 for Cyril, 14.88 for Bruce. Tackles is 4.55 to 4 to, for Bruce. Win percentage is actually more than Cyril's. Contested possessions is more than Cyril's. Goal assist is a bit lower than Cyril's, only by 0.05. So he's on par with Cyril as a player. They're all stats, though, and all the things around Cyril was that stats that, couldn't define yeah, his game. You, and yeah. would you, when you're watching them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go... You couldn't you couldn't tell me something that Bruce has done. Like he hasn't he hasn't won he didn't win it, he hasn't won a Norm Smith just based on visually looking at what Cyril did. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying he's a very, order. very good player. Obviously. A very underrated player. You could definitely say that. And yeah, he probably deserves a bit more pause. He kicked I think he kicked six last week and you know, he just deserves a bit more probably than recognition that he gets and I just wanted to celebrate him because you know yeah. we talked but, about it Phil Davis said to celebrate those things so I'm celebrating them absolutely instead of, instead of knocking Tex Walker for not backing up two weeks in a row let's say let's well talk done, about Bruce. Brucey keep it up my friend the Twilight game on a Sunday Melbourne rolling up their sleeves showing off their pretend tattoos ready to be that flat track bully against the down out and absolutely demolished Western Bulldogs. The line here is six goals and Melbourne are a dollar twenty favourites. The trend of soft dominance is going to continue here, isn't it? The yeah. bonds the bonds out with the oh, the 
And they're done now. Like, the doggies are done. Yeah, the doggies are done. Tipping Melbourne, but might be watching the game. No punting interest. I don't even really... Don't really care about the game. Is that too harsh? That's very harsh. That's why you did the Bruce thing, isn't it? So you could come and slam this yeah, game. Yeah, because I just know there's no punting perspectives for me because... Yeah, I reckon 40 plus at two bucks. No, nah, because I'm still not sold on Melbourne. And I know, I know the doggies... Yeah, you know, a bit flat last week, and they got a few more injuries. But if they play the footy they play against North and Geelong, then I wouldn't be surprised if they knocked off uh, Melbourne. The, the stats, uh, the stats suggest there is a punting perspective in this one. So Melbourne have won the inside fifty count by fifteen, ranked number one this year. The Dogs have lost contested possession by an average of nine this season, ranked last, which is what Melbourne's really good at: contested inside ball. They've scored from 40% of their inside 50s this season, ranked second last, so they're not going to hurt them on the turnover. And they've lost 37% of their defensive one-on-one contests. So even if Melbourne kicks it in slow and high or tries and actually gets some effective balls in, they're going to rip them apart because this is the worst defensively ranked team inside forward 50 in the AFL. You would think that 40-plus is moral, considering they went to Darwin Darwin, and did it to Freo. Yeah, look, they probably will, but... Still can't be convinced. No. He's off the bandwagon, ladies and gentlemen. He's off the bandwagon. Tipping Melbourne, obviously, and Melbourne 40-plus for mine. The night games, some pretty important ones, really. So we kick it off with Gold Coast hosting Essendon at Metricon. Again, another massive line here. It's five goals. Essendon and Rodolo, 20 favourites. They're two games and significant percentage outside the eight, Essendon. There's no chance can they, of play, no. No, not at all? There's, no. Not, there's not a chance that they can do an absolute number on the Suns here? No, and there's every chance that the Suns could get up. This, almost so, a, what have you seen in the Suns that suggests they can knock off the Bombers, other than the fact that the Bombers didn't knock you off, and remembering that you're now second, oh, third on the ladder? Well, I think I saw an improved performance from Gold Coast against yes, North. They were pretty good. I mean, they, they still struggled to score a bit. But pretty pretty good. good is a strong... Well, they are better than what they have been. That's not pretty good. It's, it was alright. They've gone from woeful to aura. Essendon are missing a few more players with injury. Uh, they've got to travel. Season's almost done. And I th- I'm really hopefully hoping that Stuart Jew has shown Gold Coast the, the footprint to beat Essendon. They haven't won a game in a long time. And I just think they're going to be a lot more competitive than what people are giving them credit for. Uh, Essendon will probably win. But again, this is another game that doesn't really... There's going to be a lot of games over the next six, five, six weeks that mean... Doesn't pique your, your appetite? Nah, they don't mean a lot to me. I'm oh, so... shout out to all our lovely listeners that tune in every week. <laughs> and we are, hope you do for the next six weeks, apparently non-important, non-existent football. <laughs> no, but let's be honest, this game means very little in the context of the season. Essendon won't make if Essendon, if, No, but Essendon wins this still, so they keep in touch. Oh. Let's say Breezy knock off Hawthorne. I then suddenly, this suddenly the eight opens up. I think the, the Pandora's two, box that is six to six to tenth I think is a very complicated thing. The two Queensland teams are the two teams that can create upsets this week. Right. That's my gut feel, and I, I said it the other week with Brisbane, you know, against Fremantle. I said my gut feel is that you laughed at me that night. I suggested that this week, and you said not in Tassie. So don't don't be having it two ways here, <laughs> champ. Don't be having it two ways. All right, we'll go on to a game that apparently does matter, but I'm sure Baz will tell us it doesn't. Again on Saturday night, 7.25, at Spotless Stadium, the Giants are $2.60 home dogs against Richmond, who are $1.50 favourites. The line here is just over two goals. We finally got it, Baz. The injury count is rising for Richmond. They're having to, you know, swing the magnets. They're having to, like, come up against adversity. You had Graham injured, mate. And they're still doing it. It's, it's Graham. The list is happening, mate. It's broad. The list is happening. Mate, you're kidding There's yourself. a longer list of oh, injuries there. Yeah, they can... And they're proving themselves they can play, and they're testing their depths. I can't... I, I can't... I couldn't believe that Richmond were $1.50. I, I was hoping to get, like, $1.60, $1.70. I think they played some pretty good footy last week. Uh, they got challenged early, but then just too good. They'll be setting themselves to this one. Or I reckon Dimmer would be like, right, we haven't won away yet. No. Media's all over, over us about it. We don't do great against the Giants in general. Yep. So I reckon he'll be setting them up for this. And I think that this game will go unders because GWS struggle to score. I wouldn't be surprised they didn't get over 60 here. So have a look at that maybe for this game. But I'm very confident on Richmond at the line, 30 and a half. It'll probably be my bet of the week. But yeah, just everything go, is going well for Richmond. 
yes, they've got a couple of injuries, but the, the players that you can think they can find placements for in a VFL team that's going pretty strongly. GWS, you know, Chuck Thomason forward, kick a couple of goals, looked really good for a bloke who's been playing back and a bit of ruck this year. But for me, they just miss that scoring power. And I know they might be getting a few players back that are absolute guns, but I reckon it'll take them a week or two to find, you know, that, that touch for AFL level. You know, we saw it with Tom Lynch last week from, from Adelaide. He took him probably three or four quarters before he started to, you know, get into the game. And by then it was too late. Just, yeah, I just don't think that GWS are... They're probably just going to miss out or just make it. They're not. They've had injuries against them this year and a few other things with their game plan earlier in the year. But they've obviously you know made changes and they've been a lot better. And they they should have won last week. They let that slip. But yeah, Richmond will be setting themselves for this away from home. Now, Richmond have got a couple of tough games coming up as well. So this is probably one they want to bank in to, just in case they drop one. So an interesting stat came up midweek that everyone's kind of perplexed about, saying that Richmond's ranked last for clearances this year and also tackles at clearances as well and so I did a bit of a deeper digging on that because everyone kind of boils Richmond's game plan down to just oh, kick it in the forward 50 lock it down it's not quite as simple as that they, I think they defend in two different ways so they do kick it in lock it down obviously then you score so then what happens when they have to do a clearance or a centre clearance well we're ranked last we're willing to turn it over in our back 50 as well and we're ranked number one for defensive contests in our defensive 50, and then slingshot. We have the ability to do that as well. We've risen to one of the more elite teams by foot going in the kick mark chains. Well, you get, you get Rance free or Asprey free or Grimes mm. gets free, and they affect that, the crowd of two-on-one. And because you you pressure up the ground, you, you make teams kick it in long instead of lowering their eyes, and you know, they kick it in long to a two-on-one, three-on-one. And you always get numbers around the contest. So even, even as soon as there's a spillage, it's always, you can just see that you outnumber the opposition, you hustle, you, you surge the ball, mm. and just keep surging. It's not clean sometimes, but Correct. you keep just pushing it forward, lots of pressure, and yeah. And so while Richmond is ranked last at clearances and clearance tackles, they're in the top three for post-clearance tackles and post-clearance pressure acts. Yeah. So, again, everyone's obsessed with the contested ball. Teams like Melbourne get massive raps for it. But if you win it first... You've got to get it out. Yeah, you've got to do something and with it. Against yeah. the likes of Geelong, against the likes of Richmond, against the likes of Collingwood, these teams aren't obsessed with winning the contested pill. They're obsessed with winning it and doing something with it. Yeah. So you can have it first, but I'll take it off you. Yeah. Is the mentality of the good teams at the moment. And ironically, they're not, they're not the teams that cause congestion either. The teams that cause congestion are your Melbournes who get stuck in the sinkhole, your Sydney that get stuck in the sinkhole. Yeah. And these teams are actually winning games and scoring highly are the teams that are going to succeed. So, again, just one for the one little cross there for the crisis merchants. And, and GWS have been pretty good at the contested ball lately and, and good around the, the clearances. So They'll test the theory, work, yeah. Yeah, work itself out, I suppose. But, yeah, I just think Richmond are the better team. And, again, you go on form, and you, you, how could you tip GWS? You can't. One little betting nugget for mine as well is that Richmond have outscored their opposition by 202 points in fourth quarters this season. They're ranked number one, 108 points better than the next best side. You can get Richmond to win the fourth by three and a half points for oh, $1.90. There you go. That is money for jam. So it sounds like a same-game multi for me. Absolutely. Richmond aligned into that. Sunday kicks off with probably the most important game of the round. The high-flying pies taking on the mediocre West Coast. You guys, the pies, are $1.46 favourites at home at the MCG. The line here... Fifteen and a half. My, I, I want to wait for teams this because if Kennedy and Darling do come in, and we obviously don't have done, and I don't think they'll throw Darcy Moore straight. Like he played VFL last week, but I don't think he'll play straight away. Now, if I reckon I'll give him another week just to make sure he's right. Uh, ben Reed's going to have surgery on his knees, so he's probably pretty much done. You know, my check played forward, but you know he can't play back. Uh, whether they play McClarty or someone else from the the VFL team, or but yeah, my worry is us being able to contain the two bigs. Um, Nick Nat was pretty influential last week. Uh, does he travel to Melbourne as well? So he's, you know he's been a bit sore and carrying a few niggles. I think this time of year and speculation, but definitely like West Coast need to win games to get that top four yeah, chance. Yeah, so. so. Look, I, again, I want to see teams. I'm a bit worried that we haven't played our best footy the last two weeks. Like, we went great against Essendon, uh, except that last quarter were amazing. But then it's the old uh, West Coast at the MCG hoodoo. 
and whether our midfield can the thing that Phil Davis was saying the other night is true like they, the West Coast midfield know that Nick Nat's going to win most of the taps and hit it to their advantage so they can get on the fly get on the move and you know it, it makes them very very dangerous so if, if Grunny can just half that and maybe make him more accountable around the ground, but I reckon Lysett probably take him around the ground and, and Nick Nat probably push forward. What's Okay, that's not the strengths of West Coast, though, which have been up and down this year. There's been no yeah. consistency. You've won nine games straight at Collingwood. What's your strength? Our strength is a four-line of midfield, I think. But we don't we won't get the service that we usually get from Grundy. So whether we have you know play that sweeper and try and shark a few more of Nick Nat's taps... I think our four line should expose their defence. Uh, and if Nick Nat and... I mean, sorry, if Darling and Kenny don't play, I think our back line should hold up all right against their smalls. We proved it you know, on the weekend. But if they're talls around, I think we're we're, we're going to struggle a bit with having defenders who can go with them. True, but I think they rely... West Coast rely heavily on winning the clearance. They're not, as I said, they're not a secondary clearance team. They're a win it or don't get it. And they don't they don't tackle afterwards. They're not a pre- they're not a high pressure team if they don't win the initial source pill. Yeah. So I think there's your opportunity, and that's what I'd be banking on, especially at the G, especially when it's going to be probably cold and wet. Like it's not forecasted for it, but Melbourne's renowned for just giving you a little bit of rain to make things a little bit more even at the G. And I think you've you're starting to adopt that that Richmond way of locking teams into certain quadrants of the MCG. So I'm leaning towards Collingwood for this one. And I think just based on over the last 10 weeks, your 80%'s been better than West Coast 80%. Yeah. If, if West Coast can come out, have a, a foolish list and play their best game, they win, I think. I wouldn't be banking on them doing that this well, week. We'll lose, well, lose Appleby and probably... We, I don't reckon I'll risk Will Hoskin Elliott. It depends on what's... I mean, they say it's just bruising, but I still reckon he'll have a week off. And he's a pretty, very, very important player for us, mm. just structurally. So... Yeah, I just our injuries are starting to are starting to add up, and eventually it's going to catch us. And you know, we're getting maybe Varco comes back, and I know Jamie Elliott for solo are probably going to play VFL this week. Uh, which so there's a bit more depth to come back, and a few more players that can obviously play. Like there's you know, those players will play in any other AFL club. I don't care what you say, but I just think yeah, injuries start will start to catch us, and maybe this is the week it starts to catch us if we if we'll lost now it's out and. The tools come in for West Coast, so... So at $2.75, are you taking the Eagles? I'm not taking anyone until I see the teams, and I'll probably leave the game alone. The other one was probably the unders. I think it's around one, 163. You'll de- definitely get unders here. Another massive game on Sunday. We're heading to Etihad. We're going under the dome. It'll be nice and warm and probably a bit stale there, but that's okay. North Melbourne, again, home dogs. Lots of home dogs this week, which is interesting this time of year because usually you think that home ground favouritism... Starts to play into effect. $2.05 outsiders to Sydney, who despite losing yet again, $1.78. Favourites, the line here, two and a half. And North beat them last time. And North beat them last time. I was about to say, is this a case of the same mould, different ingredients? They are, these are these teams essentially play the same-ish way. Yep. Not exactly the same way, but they rely heavily on a tall forward. Yes, North, their best have three, but so do Sydney if they're all healthy. Yep. They're truckers in the midfield. They're not. They neither of them have elite speed. Yep. They keep it on the inside. So, pound for pound, which which twenty two will be better on match day? I'm 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 going with North. So the two dollars oh five. I'm taking that. Uh, Under is the one sixty point five. Uh, my roughly will probably be for the week. Uh, both teams to score between sixty and seventy five points. There you or, go. Or definitely North sixty to seventy five. So. I reckon it'll be a pretty a bit of a slugfest there. Very congested. Um, yeah, under the roof at, at the Dome. Uh, yeah. It's it's very hard for me to tip against Sydney, especially when they've lost two in a row, because I don't lose two in a row very often. And North were a bit a bit ordinary last week. It's good. Like I, I said, you know, said the Gold Coast were good, a lot better. But North weren't that great either. And again, they were very brown eccentric. Like they went str- always to him. I think they got a bit easier to read as a, as for the defensive side and that's probably why you know they're stuck at it but you know even last time both these teams played it was 66-68 you see a lot of this um, apart from probably last year where Sydney blew it out a bit but a lot of the times it's about 70 to 80 the scores so yeah I reckon under 160s and probably both teams are 
Yeah, score 60. Or definitely North Melbourne score 61 to 75. Yep. And again, stats back it up, especially based... Last week gave us a really clear indication of where Sydney's at in terms of their forward deficiency. So over the last four weeks, Sydney have retained possession, kicking inside 50 only 38% of the time. That ranks them last in the AFL. That's worse using the football than Lions, worse using the football than the Suns. That's pretty bad football use. The Roos, on the other hand, have allowed the opposition to score a goal only 21% of times that the opposition gets inside 50. They're ranked third. So the Swans won't score there either. So your 60 to 75 is in play, I reckon, yeah. for the Swans as well. I'll be tipping the Roos, and uh, I think most of our action for the week comes from that game, by the sense of things. Yeah. And to round out the weekend... Massive game. Massive, massive game. Fremantle are hosting Port Adelaide, the percentage hunters at Optus. The line here is only 22 and a half. Do you know this is the sort of game... That Fremantle win. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the game they win. But I'm tipping uh same sort of thing. Ferro only scores 61 to 75 points over the 152.5. And uh, Port win. And I reckon Port will win by just, just a bit like last week. Just win by your five or six goals. Do enough to get the job done. They'll keep trucking along. Uh, playing against some weak opposition over the next few weeks. And probably uh, keep their spot in the top four. But then get knocked out in straight sets. So... Frio are missing their two, their, their, you know, their gun Two players, players yeah. yeah. Walters and Neil can't do everything for them. And, you know, Pierce was very good for him again on the weekend, even under siege down there in the in the defence. But, yeah, Frio are missing too much quality senior players and their young kids are probably starting to get tired. They've played a lot of football this year. So, you know, Sarah got the, I think it was the nab rising star on the weekend, which is pretty interesting when your team gets flogged like that. But So a lot of chat there about the Dockers, not much about Port. You get... are you, you you like to underrate Port. Are you willing to? Have you seen anything to convince you that they're going to be around for long haul come finals? Are you still not prepared no, to go out there no. and buy the jersey and get ready to go watch a prelim? No, no, they're still not. They're not. They're, they're too reliant on too few for me. Look, they've got some really good A grade talent, really good, but they drop away so quickly, and they need Dixon up and firing. And he said on. AFL game day that he saw he doesn't train a lot during the week he's, it's a struggle with his body and that's worrying when it's only you know round 17 mm. and they've got a pretty you know I mean they've got a soft draw and I'll probably rest in one or two games here and there if they get you know get in, get the buffer get the buffer but yeah I, that worries me that and he has no interest in footy he doesn't watch any other footy which is good you know you can relax and stuff like that but yeah all yeah. a little bit too Lackadaisical, yeah, bit too calm, yeah, bit too. Because yeah. uh, you know, there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Yeah. Like if you're a little bit sore, or whatever, you play footy. Like you're going to be sore, but you probably need to train still, champ. Yes. Yeah, and you know, you know, maybe watching. You know, as Baz said on the on Wax tonight, not every game piques his interest. But when you're getting paid to do a job. Yeah. Go do a job. Yeah. So you watch some bloody footy and you learn some things. But yeah, and a few other players like you know. They 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 drift in and out of games. That's the type of players they are because they're so good. But they're also, like I said, the, the players that can go missing a little bit as well. They have a lot. Of, come to think of it, they have a lot of players that seem to don't care or don't acknowledge the fact that it's quite a privileged position to be in AFL football. Like, yeah. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, there's a lot of scrutiny, but you get paid a lot to kick a footy. Yeah. In front of tens of thousands of people that buddy love you most of the time. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe playing Adelaide's a bit tough because. They, they will stick the knife in at any, any time of I mean, chance. Yeah. But like, at the end of the day, just don't buy papers if, if it's that worrying. But the rest of it's pretty... You know, what do you, what'd you do today? Oh, I kicked the footy with my mates. Yeah. Unless you hate each other like Adelaide. Like, who knows what's going down there at Port. Yeah, the, the last three or four weeks I've watched them, they, they play like a one quarter and just do enough. Mm. And that's not what you want to be doing. You want to be like a Richmond or a, a, a better team that just puts away teams and does, does a job properly. So, Port will win, but... By how much we don't know. Yeah, you just don't. You can't trust them for margin spreads. All right, guys. Our round seventeen feature bets are as follows. Our two best bets are coming from our Richmond game. That is Richmond to win the fourth quarter by three and a half, giving you a dollar ninety in value, and Richmond to cover the line of thirteen and a half to give you another dollar ninety in value. So you can tune in on that Saturday night fixture. Our value bets Fremantle to score between sixty one and seventy five points and continue their dour kicking. 
And in the Carlton game against St Kilda, Mr Cade Simpson, to get 30 disposals, is giving you $2.30. And in a game like that, he should be absolutely racking up at the back. He's probably in line there with Cripps for BNF down there at the yeah, Blue Town. Yeah. Ruffies, North Melbourne to kick between 61 and 75, offers you $3.80. While if you make an in-game multi of Richmond to cover and win the fourth by 3.5, you'd be paying $3.60. And Baz's multi, which is the Jewish thing ever. Oh. More Jewy than the morning Jew. It's it's needs to get up. There are yeah, there's if I get a multi this year, I'll think of some ridiculous uh thing I have to do. Fair enough. So this week's very sensible multi is over the match total points one fifty two and a half in Fremantle versus Port Adelaide. Under the match total points of 160.5 in North Melbourne versus Sydney. Richmond to cover the line of 13.5 versus Greater Western Sydney. And Geelong to cover the line of 2.5 against Adelaide in Adelaide. That is paying $13.30, which will be just enough at this stage to uh, cover our multis for the year. And on that note, if you are like Baz and are struggling to find some interest in some of the games, you may have some spare time, in which case you should start prepping for our very special live event. We're doing a live podcast on Footy's Eft down at the Yorkshire Hotel. The premise is, is that you, our lovely, learned listeners, who probably know more about football than we do, are going to get given the mic and you're going to have the your chance to give us your best ideas on how to fix footy or maybe just spend five or ten minutes telling us why it's perfectly fine the way it is. That's on July 29th from 12pm onwards. That'll be a Sunday afternoon and then you can hang around with us and watch the footy and see how we barrack like Nuff Nuffs afterwards down at the Yorkshire Hotel. Thanks for another lovely week there, Baz. Cheers, mate. See you uh, next week. <laughs>